The reading this morning is taken from Psalm 72, which can be found in the Church Bibles on page 586. The reading this morning can be taken from the Church Bibles, page 586, Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let corn abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. Well, good morning, and uh, it's lovely to add my welcome on to Michael's, and it's lovely to be back at Highfield Church, our church family, after three months away on sabbatical. Um, I had a very refreshing time with the family, and uh, seven weeks of the sabbatical were spent in the U.S., and uh, we uh, visited a number of churches, uh, five weeks in Washington, D.C., then a couple in Tennessee, and it was a bit of a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip with lots of study done and experiences for the whole family. Um, I'm hoping to uh, fill the church in a bit more about that in our church meeting on the 28th of September, so um, uh, you can uh, save any questions you've got till then. Although, ask my kids what uh, they enjoyed. Uh, They could tell you about seeing their dad preach in a bow tie, uh, which I did in the First Baptist Church of Jackson, Tennessee, where I I was told I'd be more distracting if I wasn't wearing a bow tie than if I was. So that's the kind of culture that you get in some parts of the U.S., um, don't worry, I'm not planning on introducing a new dress code anytime soon. 
but many thanks to, to, to you for allowing us to go away and to the, to the elders and the staff for, for, for uh, kind of taking over the mantle in the, the time I was away, and especially to John for his role as acting lead pastor, which was great to, to hear of and see. In the term card and on the weekly email, you'd have seen it referred to as our harvest service today, but that plan was immediately shelved at 6.32 on Thursday with the news of the death of Queen Elizabeth. Now, we didn't have an Operation London Bridge protocol, um, which is the, the, the code name for the planning of the Queen's funeral. We didn't have one of those here at Highfields, but we felt that the, the moment was too significant in our nation without... Uh, giving it uh, full attention today. And so as our country enters this period of national mourning, we wanted to reflect Christianly on the Queen's passing, her extraordinary life and her witness and her service for Christ, as well as to commit the reign of our new King Charles III to God. Because whatever our view of the monarchy may be, the Bible urges us to honour our leaders, our civic leaders, and to pray for them because they have been placed there by God. So in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 we read, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Or in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2, I urge then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving Be made for all people, for kings, and all in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then famously in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which has been established by God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, what's so striking about those uh, three Bible passages I've referred to is that they were written during a time when the governing authorities of which they spoke were very often brutal tyrants who made life very difficult for first century Christians. And so honouring them and praying for them would perhaps not have come naturally to first century Christians. And in that sense, the the king, the emperor, the governing authorities in the New Testament seem to be the very antithesis of what we've all experienced under the reign of the late Queen Elizabeth II. But if all Christians of all times and all places are to honour and pray for their leaders as those placed by God, then it's entirely appropriate for us to spend some time doing so this morning. Now, I'm not sure how uh, you heard the news on Thursday and how the news of her late majesty's passing has affected you. If I'm honest, I have found myself surprisingly moved by her death and the national response uh, to it. I I guess many of us have felt the same. We weren't expecting this. Witnessing the affection, the extraordinary affection in which the Queen was held, both by the general public, uh, the tributes by members of the Houses of Commons, former Prime Ministers, but especially by her family and our new King Charles in particular. His powerfully moving tribute on Friday evening, speaking of his darling Mama. It's been strangely disorientating for me, and I guess it has been for you as well. One minute, the news cycle was all about the energy crisis and the war in Ukraine, not to mention, as we've prayed for our new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and her government. But suddenly, that's all 
newspaper small print as we all come to terms with both the Queen's passing and a new King's accession. It's a powerful reminder, just at the outset, of the transients of human life. Stories can turn on a pin, can they not? The fact is that no one really should be surprised at what happened on Thursday. A 90-something-year-old woman died. Big news. Like uh, Sally's grandfather, who died six months ago, who incidentally uh, would have turned 100 today and was looking forward to a Queen, uh, a letter from Her Majesty the Queen today, and perhaps would have been one of the first to get one from His Majesty the King uh, today. But after a life that's been fully lived, does the death of a 96-year-old woman really warrant such pause? But as so many commentators have been saying, the vast majority of whom won't remember won't have remembered there ever being another sovereign in the UK. Just a quick start. I'd be interested to see this. Show of hands if you remember the reign of George VI here in the church. Hands up nice and high if you remember the reign of George VI. Okay. Keep them up. Reign of Edward VIII. How about George V? Okay, hands are starting to go down at this point. Okay, before... Okay. So, apparently 93% of the world's population... 93% of the global population of the world were born during the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. She served, as I'm sure you've read and heard, 15 prime ministers, 14 US presidents, 7 popes. And during her 70-year reign, we've all grown to her just being there. Her face is everywhere. It's on all our stamps, on all our coins, on any notes you may still have. (laughs) Surely the most famous person on the planet... And while the UK has changed beyond measure in her years on the throne, one constant has been her late majesty. Uh, Little wonder such superlative language is being used, and it is really incredibly superlative. So Prime Minister Truss uh, spoke of the rock on which modern Britain has been built, having been dislodged on on a Friday night. Or uh, Boris Johnson in his typical flamboyance, so unvarying in her pole star radiance that we had perhaps been lulled into thinking that she might in some way be eternal. Not overstated there, Boris, are you? But surely the Queen would much rather us remember the words of Psalm 103, verse 15. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. It may feel like an anchor has been pulled up from the UK. But God is our refuge and strength, friends. He is an ever-present help in trouble. He is our eternal, faithful, never-to-be-removed rock the anchor that we can hold on to, whatever we face in our lives. But whenever anyone dies, it's an important uh, moment to reflect on, I guess, our own mortality. What will we do with the lives that God has given us? I thought it was very moving. I don't know how many of you saw on, on the Friday evening that uh, service of remembrance that took place in St Paul's Cathedral. I thought it was a very powerful service. And uh, I was especially moved by Liz Truss's reading from Romans 14. Uh, This is uh, how the reading concludes. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge me. 
So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. This is the prime minister of England. Saying these words publicly, the world are incredible. And so I guess for us all, we need to think, like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm going to give an account before God one day. Many of us have a relationship with him. I'm imagining many of us don't. What will you do with your life? It's an important point to pause and think. What we're going to do, really, for the rest of our time together is reflect four ways on the death of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, as I've been preparing for, uh, for our uh, message this morning, I've been really helped by a brilliant book which was published uh, six years ago called The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. I'm not sure how many of you have got or read this. Maybe you've got it and haven't read it. If you have, pull it out and have a reread. I think they're republishing it. It's published by the Bible Society on the 90th um, birthday of Her Majesty. And uh, it's a really great resource. So we're going to think uh, for four, four different areas about uh, uh, the Queen's life, thanking God and praying for uh, our future. So first uh, principle, first response is we thank God for her lifetime of service. We thank God for her lifetime of service. In an age of self-promotion and political hypocrisy, it may feel like words like duty and humility and integrity come from another era, an Elizabethan age. But they were absolutely embodied in the life of our late queen and service. Uh, The words of the 21-year-old Princess Elizabeth have been quoted again and again, five years before she ascended to the throne. And for good reason, this is what she, she said. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. Amazing. And she kept her word. Uh, People often say, don't they, you get the leaders you deserve. And uh, when you (laughs) look around at the calibre and the character of the leaders that are around on the world stage, you realise there's more to that saying than first meets the eye. You get the leaders you deserve. But I think it's very fair to say that the Lord God has been incredibly kind to our nation by giving us Queen Elizabeth II for so long as our head of state. He really has been very, very kind. Uh, reading uh, all over the scriptures this last uh, few days, I was struck by Proverbs 20, verse 28, which is written by King Solomon. And uh, he's advising about the king. And this is the vital ingredients that make for stable leadership of a king. Uh, let me see if I've got this here. Here we go. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. That's, that's biblical wisdom that we find in God's word. And incidentally, they're very good principles for any aspiring leaders today. I guess there are quite a lot of people who are leaders or would be leaders here. Love and faithfulness. Love, we might unpack that as servant-heartedness, sacrifice, care, compassion, concern, devotion, and faithfulness. We might think of things like commitment and integrity and reliability and trustworthiness. Now, in the Bible, the Old Testament, the the, the Hebrew, love and faithfulness are hesed and emet. And they're very big words in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they're translated in the Greek to grace and truth. And of course, they are exemplified in the coming of the King of Kings, our King Jesus, full of grace and truth. The servant king who the late Queen Elizabeth II served, the True king who came not to be served, but to serve and to give 
his life as a ransom for many, keeping his promise to save all those who had turned from living for themselves towards living for him. And that promise to save all who would come to him, who say, sorry for my sin, for living for me, may I live for you from now on. That promise is a promise for young and old. It's a promise for rich and poor. It's a promise for prince and pauper. And it was a promise that Queen Elizabeth herself spoke very eloquently of, as we'll go on to see in our time this morning. It would be very easy to get lost in the adulation of tributes uh, surrounding Her Late Majesty. Uh, But I'm convinced that, uh, as with all good things that we experience in our lives, uh, we've already uh, prayed for harvest, which we were going to think about this morning, and, and the production of goods that we can enjoy. Like harvest, like even with uh, the gift of a, of a good sovereign, ultimately it's God who we're to thank. As a 21-year-old, Princess Elizabeth knew that her own resolve or strength would not be sufficient for the calling ahead of her. So remember those words, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. She went on, but I shall not have the strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me as I now invite you to do, I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God, help me to make good my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. So we thank God for her lifetime of service. We also thank her, thank God, for her Christian faith. And uh, again, this is kind of opening up that theme a little bit more in terms of where, where did she come from? How, how was she as she was? I was chatting with Sally just the other day. And we were reflecting on how rare the Queen's reign has been. And uh, how much we're praying that our nation would perhaps stop for a moment and think, like, why was the Queen as wonderful as she was? Was it just her? What was the secret to her success, you might ask? She obviously wasn't perfect. She had family problems like the best of us and so forth. And also, she was incredibly uh, gifted with remarkable physical strength. I mean, few of us would be able to work 40-hour weeks well into our 90s. But how did she keep going and serving and faithful over all the years? I can't help but feel the answer is surely her faith in Jesus Christ. Her trust in the love and faithfulness of King Jesus, which has enabled her throne to remain secure. Our service began uh, with uh, Ellie reading from Psalm 72. It's a biblical prayer for the ideal king. Of course it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The fact is any blessing that a nation can expect to receive will only ever come at the mercy and grace of him, our king of kings. In that note, instantly I was very encouraged to hear of our new King Charles speak of his own faith in his uh, short message on, on Friday evening and his commitment to be the defender of the faith and his accountability before God. I think we absolutely need to pray for him in that. For he surely has a wonderful example in his mother. From as early on in her, as her coronation, the Christian faith has been integral to the reign of Elizabeth II. Uh, in the coronation service, having been given the royal orb and the royal scepter, which, uh, if you were checking, contains the £350 million Star of Africa diamond, one of the largest diamonds in the world, she is then presented with a Bible, which in the service is described as, quote, the rule, the, the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, and, quote, the most valuable thing that this world affords. 
Far more valuable than the crown jewels is the word of God which guides each one of us. And we have every reason to believe that the Queen believed it. She read her Bible every day, prayed, was regular at church when she didn't need to be. Let's hear of some of what Her Late Majesty said in her own words. So in her first Christmas broadcast in 1952, before the coronation, this is what she said. She prayed that God would give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. And then uh, fast forward to 2002, this is what she said. I know how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that each day brings and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. And then again in 2016, on the occasion of her 90th birthday, uh, looking back on nearly 70 years on the throne, she said, I have been and remain very grateful to you for your prayers and to God for his steadfast love. I've indeed seen his faithfulness, love and faithfulness again coming together on her own lips. We thank God for our late majesty's Christian faith. I've already referred to Romans 14, which was read by Liz Truss on Friday evening in the service. This is how Romans 14 passage begins. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies alone for ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died. And return to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. That's written by the Apostle Paul. And he is speaking of the truth of what it means to know Jesus Christ. Whether we live or whether we die, we do it all, says Paul, for the Lord. With great confidence that if and when we die, we will be raised again by the Lord. The one who died and rose again for us. Now, I imagine many of us here today are Christian believers, and it's wonderful that we can uh, celebrate the common faith that we had with Her Majesty. But I guess many of us are not Christian believers, too. Our friends, guests here today, I want to encourage you and urge you to see any sadness that we may feel today. It is possible for, for the sadness of death to be swallowed up in the confidence of victory. And not in an empty victory, but in the very real victory of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sins, and his resurrection again to new life, giving all who look to him hope. I want to urge you to look to him. We can know life everlasting. If you'd like to find out more about that, please talk with me afterwards. I'll be sitting down here on the front on the right-hand side. would love to speak with you. On Friday, I don't know if you heard, earlier on in the day, there were lots of tributes in Parliament from MPs reflecting on uh, the late Queen's uh, life and uh, memory. One tribute especially grabbed my attention, and it came uh, from Tim Farron MP. Uh, Tim is no stranger to Highfield. We actually had him uh, speak with us online during the lockdown, uh, the MP for uh, Westmoreland and former Lib Dem leader. This is what uh, Tim Farron said. She was a constant to us all. And the constant in her life was her faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's remember this. 
that for many people, it was not for her, faith is a perfunctory faith, a ceremonial faith. Let us remember this. It was not for her. It was a living, active faith in a living saviour. Let us remember this. We have sung for 70 years, God save the Queen. If her faith was accurate, and I am certain it was, God has saved the Queen. We now transfer our allegiance to King Charles III, who I am proud and honoured to serve. God save the King. Wonderful words. We thank God for her late majesty's Christian faith. Which brings us to point three. We thank God for her public witness. Many people have a faith and keep it all to themselves. One thing that uh, many people have commented about uh, the move from Prince Charles to King Charles is how much King Charles will have to change in his new role. As Prince Charles, as of course I'm sure many of you are aware, Charles was very free to air his opinion on all manners of topics and things. As King Charles III, he has to be much more circumspect. The Queen, of course, was the model of discretion. Theresa May said on Friday uh, that her weekly meeting with the Queen was the one meeting she could count on not to be leaked. I think that's exactly right. Which means whatever the Queen said, she had thought a great deal about. She wasn't loose with her words. It was all totally planned, precise. She needn't say any of it. And when she chose to say it, it was intentional. And as a woman of Christian faith, she became more and more open about her relationship with Jesus Christ in ways that I think perhaps put some of us to shame. You and I, to kind of wiggle out of speaking up about our faith when the conversation arises, in her own unique way, her late majesty was a constant public witness to God. We give thanks to God for that. Let's hear it from her, her, her lips. In 2018, she spoke of how needful the Christian message is. The Christmas story retains its appeal since it doesn't provide theoretical explanations for the puzzles of life. Instead, it's about the birth of a child and the hope that birth 2,000 years ago brought to the world. Only a few people acknowledged Jesus when he was born. Now billions follow him. I believe his message of peace on earth and goodwill to all is never out of date. It can be heeded by everyone. It's needed as much as ever. Amazing words. It can be heeded by everyone. The gospel can be heeded by everyone. It's needed as much as ever. Or listen to her first Easter message in Easter 2020 as the country was in the throes of the COVID pandemic. Speaking of the hope that the risen Jesus Christ offers us all. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope and fresh purpose. And we can all take heart from this. And then famously in 2011, Christmas Day, she publicly spoke of the forgiveness and salvation that is found in Jesus. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. For the most famous woman on the planet to speak so openly about the need and the hope 
And the forgiveness that comes through knowing Jesus Christ, through the gospel, it's surely right to thank God for her public witness. As well as, I suppose, commit afresh to making the most of every opportunity that God brings in our way. We won't have Christmas addresses before millions to give, I very much doubt. Unless you want to have a word with me afterwards, we can talk about it. But most of us have an opportunity to say something of Christ and what he means and the hope that we find in him, especially in the hard times. Maybe there's an opportunity in the next few days and weeks as we're in a nation of mourning and people are a bit disillusioned. Speak of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ that is in common with that of the late queen, with gentleness and respect. But we mustn't just be looking back. We spend most of our time looking back. We need to look forward, which brings me to my last suggestion as we respond to the death of Queen Elizabeth, which is we thank God for her lifetime of service. We thank God for her Christian faith. We thank God for her public witness. And we ask God to guide our new king. We've got to do this. The fact is, King Charles III may have just inherited untold wealth. He may get to have an audience with prime ministers once a week and pick up the phone and speak to anyone in the world he wants. He may have tickets for every sporty occasion you can name. He may never need to shine his shoes again. But I don't envy King Charles III one bit. What an act he has to follow. But as I say, from what I've seen of uh, of, of him in terms of the, the media of the last few days. I've been really encouraged by the kinds of things he's been saying and his responses. But how our new king needs our prayers. Our prayers for comfort for him and his family as they mourn the loss of a dearly beloved mother and grandmother and great-grandmother. Our prayers for wisdom for the king as he counsels our new PM and serves as head of the Church of England, meeting world leaders regularly, speaking, sharing counsel. We must pray for strength for him as he takes on the mantle of sovereign that he would serve as his mother has done with humility and grace and duty. And of course our prayers for him spiritually, that his faith that he's already spoken of might not, in the words of Tim Farron, be perfunctory or ceremonial, but a living faith in a living saviour. Just remember those words of King Solomon from Proverbs 20, 28. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe through love. His throne is made secure. We pray, do we not, that he would know the love and faithfulness, the grace and truth. Of the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ, who would guide him in the coming days and weeks, months and years. On Christmas Day in 1939, Europe was about to be engulfed in war. The second war within a quarter of a century. A young princess, aged 13, handed a poem by Minnie Haskins to her father, George VI, to be read out in his Christmas Day King's Speech. Let me read those words to you now. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. As young 
Princess Elizabeth asked and advised her father, let's pray that those truths would similarly shape her son, our new king, that God would guide him through the darkness that he will face. Let's bow our heads and pray. We bow before you, Sovereign Lord, King of Kings, Majesty. We praise you that you are our refuge and strength, a help in times of trouble. And as our nation mourns the loss of a dearly loved sovereign, we pray that we would all look to you. We'd look to you with gratitude for Her Late Majesty's Christian faith, for her service for seven decades. For her public witness. And we pray, Sovereign Lord, that you would comfort our new king and his family. Please, would they know the strength and presence of God alone as they mourn. Would they look to you? Would they seek Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, as their only hope in life and death? Please guide King Charles. May he be a wise leader, a servant leader, a leader who bases his life on the servant leadership of our precious saviour, King Jesus. And please be with us as we respond to this particular national moment. Help us to make a stand for you. Help us to bear witness for you. And may you, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, eternal, receive the glory. And we pray in your precious name. Amen.